Hello and welcome to another great episode of the Harryman Show. Today on episode 75, we have an extremely talented guest on today, Clint Kirby, who just got off the road with the ex- also extremely talented Suzanne Santo. He also plays one of his main gigs with uh, the Grammy award-winning Bonnie Bishop, and we're going to talk a little bit about his uh, solo albums that he's produced himself and done some great drum work and other things on it. How you doing, Clint? Doing well, man. How are you doing? Good. How you feeling, man? I feel good. It's, uh, it's a little tired. You know, we got off the road yesterday. We got back at like 9 or 10, so just kind of been hitting it all day today. I was supposed to turn around and hop on the road with another artist, but uh, he had some family stuff come up this morning, and uh, so I'm actually going to end up being home, so I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that, actually. Yeah, Take a little bit of time off. Doesn't sound like a bad run. <laughs> so you, you, No, man. I know we were talking about a little bit before, but you mentioned you guys did about a 10-gig run. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, this is our first run out with Suzanne, um, and yeah, it was 10 days, 10, 10 shows in like 12 days or something, so it's pretty, pretty stacked, but man, it was really good. We ended with some hometown shows in, uh, uh, where were they, Cincinnati and Cleveland, Ohio, and they were both stellar shows, so it was, were, it was a really good experience. Were you guys doing mainly clubs or festivals? What what kind of scenery was it for you guys? All clubs for the most part. Uh, you know, it's funny, because her gig kind of, very dynamic there's yeah. some really soft stuff there's yes. some moments where i'm doing some shaker and like tambourine stuff and there's some really heavy moments moments too so it's cool to see it translate in different rooms we started out with a really heavy rock room mm-hmm. and it was kind of the best way to start out because none of us had ever played with her before and so oh, wow. it was just like you know there's a lot of uh, anxiety around it i guess and, and just like you you want to really nail it so it's cool to play rock room first and then there, we play like eddie's attic in uh, Atlanta, which is more of a listening room. We played more of a listening room in uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And then some of the rooms were just like really big ballrooms, like more like a theater kind of setting. So it was fun, man. It was cool because you get to see how it translates to these different rooms and, and react to the room. That's a, a thing that I'm like, really into. Is, you know, you try to gauge how the room's going to sound and uh, play to that. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, she also seems like she's a very cool uh, person, too. You know, like I was like, uh, telling you earlier, I kind of found her in the Rogan podcast, and i kind of been listening to her since. She's uh, Like I said, she's uh, <laughs> she's well-versed and very talented. Um, so how did that gig come about for you? I mean, I know you mentioned it was through a friend, but what, what's the story on that guy? Yeah. Yeah, so we have a mutual friend named Elijah Ford. Uh, he plays bass for Gary Clark Jr. and also played with some other friends of mine as well. Uh, but he and I produced, we co-produced a record, here in Fort Worth, I guess sometime during COVID um, or during like the shutdown, like I should say. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of hit it off and became good friends. And it was just us two and the artist and the engineer. So like he was playing pretty much all guitar, bass and keys. And then we were just kind of switch off. Like I would help produce whenever he's playing and he would produce while I'm playing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, he knows Suzanne really well because she works with Gary a lot. And he called me while I was out with another artist, I guess about a month ago, said, hey, man, can you uh, reach out to this artist? She's looking for a drummer for some different dates, maybe some festivals in the summer. I'm not sure, but she wants to, she has another band that's in L.A. It's like, it's just getting really expensive. A lot of people back and forth. I want to find people locally, et cetera, et cetera. So I reached out to her and uh, and it worked out really well. And in the initial conversation, she was like, hey, I really don't have a band here either. Like, can you help me put some people together? And so I ended up just hiring people that I've worked with a lot in the studio and on other live gigs here. 
And so I kind of put the whole band together and organized all the rehearsals and, you know, kind of, kind of took on like a little bit of this like MD role, uh-huh. uh, which is fun. I love doing that thing. I've done it for a few different artists as well. Nice. Um, but it worked out really well with her. You know, the whole group was just a good fit. So, so you got to bring some of your personal friends into it that you knew were going to pretty much nail it pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always one of those things where there's some pressure behind it, you know, <laughs> especially for that kind of gig. It's like, I know who she's played with before. I know she's played with Gary's band. And yeah, it it's was... like, there's definitely a level that has to be there, uh, especially in preparation. So we, you know, we put it together. I called um, my good friend, Ryan Tharp. He's probably one of my best friends. We have a studio together and we back up a lot of different artists together. Mm-hmm. He plays for all of my solo projects. I play for all of his solo projects. Um, but he came in and played guitar and steel, did some background vocals and stuff. And then my buddy Ryan Bradovich, uh, he plays bass around the DFW area, just killer bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, they, they came in and, and killed it. We, we did some band rehearsals all by ourselves before she came in town. And then the day before she left, or the day before we left, she came up and we all got together and everybody met. You know, we made a whole day of it, had lunch. And nice. we were like, oh, cool. Okay. She's, she's really great to work with. She's really smart and just funny. And it's like, you can't ask for much more, you know what I mean? So how did you approach this gig gear-wise? Did you kind of just think of traditional four-piece? And I know you used, you know, some really jazzy-sound cymbals, but what was your mindset? Was a lot of percussion mm-hmm. incorporated into it or electronics at all? The, uh, no electronics. Uh, I thought about it for a minute because, you know, that, that record, especially this last record that she has, Yard Sale, there's a lot of different sounds on it, and they're really cool. And uh, I'm a big fan of, like, incorporating weird drums weird cymbal stacks and things like that mm-hmm. but i kind of got to the heart of it and i was like man let's just keep this like fairly simple yeah so uh my main kit that i love to tour with is a 61 ludwig Oof. and it's just a 2214 oh. yeah man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i love it so much i can like, hear it now man I'm, i think oh awesome man. yeah yeah I'm a, I'm a vintage drum guy for sure i have a couple Same modern here. kits but yeah. But that's the main way to go for me. Sorry to jump so, yeah, out of that, that, but was, yeah, sorry, man. No, 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 you're good, man. Uh, and it's, yeah, 22, 14 kick, and then 13, 16 rack, uh, 13 rack, 16 floor. Nice. And then, you know, I kind of went back and forth on some snares, but I have a Craviato, uh, uh mahogany, poplar mahogany. Oh, wow. And for, it works really well, well as a main snare, but it's not always, the best for like that muted kind of thing you know yeah, yeah I so that. yeah so i i ended up taking out a side snare that was a uh uh yamaha brass 8 by 14 and just man i just detuned detuned the crap out of it and uh put a root cq on it mm-hmm. and that was like perfect it worked great as a side snare i probably used it for I don't know, three or four of the songs that are more like vibey, really chill kind of thing. Yeah. And we sometimes use it on verses and switch to the other snare on the courses. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of my approach. And then I love playing washi cymbals, especially with her stuff, with it being like, I don't know, there's a lot of ambience to some of it. Yeah. You gotta and I, that, you I gotta, wanted to be, you got to fill that void a little bit. And yeah, I noticed that when I was watching. Yeah. Yeah. And with some of the stuff too, like on some courses, it's just, course that feels kind of big but if you really dig into it, it's like just quarter notes on a on a ride with the full groove which i'm a big fan of in the studio and live i wanted to replicate some of that so i just brought this big uh 24 inch 30th anniversary uh it's 
rides. Nice. And then a 22 inch Istanbul uh, traditional dark ride. Nice. And those are both just set up on my right side. And I put a sizzle on the, the 22. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what I use the whole tour. I mean, some 15 inch hats, you know, because there's some stuff that she has that's like real 16 no heavy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing too crazy. And the percussion, you know, it's pretty simple. I only did it on a couple songs. So I just had like a. I'm kind of picky with shaker tones, so I have a couple go-to shakers that I keep with me all the time. Yeah. Um, and same with tambourines. I have this really cool tambourine. That's, it's nothing special, uh, but it has these little, it has brass, uh, you know, metal on it. Yeah. And so it just shimmers really well. It has like a nice decay to it. Yeah, so. if it works, it works, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is the truth. I like I say that all the time. There's yeah. no rules when it comes to gear. So I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit. Um, as I was watching your stuff and studying your drumming, I've seen you do everything dynamically from playing brushes all the way up to, you know, some nice rock stuff. I kind of want to talk about your schooling and your studies and who influenced you coming up and what about what age you started playing? Mm. Yeah, man. Um, well, I started playing when I was, I guess, like 12. Um, and, I mean, the only funny thing behind that was I, I hated drums to begin with. My dad kind of played drums uh, when I was growing up. Like, <laughs> I remember he would have, like, he would set up this real shitty kit every once in a while. And uh, I would kind of mess with it. And I just got to the point where I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to play drums. They're so loud and, uh, and abrasive. And I really wanted to be, like, a, I love hip-hop, so I really wanted to make beats and, like, do that thing. I was really into playing piano early on. Hmm. But I ended up, uh, I guess it was about the time that, like, <laughs> this is going to sound stupid, but it's like about the time, like, new metal started coming out, like Linkin Park and some of these different bands that, like, kind of had some rap type, hip hop type influences. Yeah, some of them were about the same age then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When that stuff started popping up, I was like, oh, cool. Like, let's jump into this. Yeah. And that kind of got me into playing drums. Uh, and I just, I just played in metal bands, like, all growing up metal and hardcore and post hardcore and um did that all through high school i went to a really small high school so we actually didn't have a music program oh, okay. and uh so I, I had one private teacher that i went to for like three years i guess from like 12 to 15 his name is uh james wyrick he's in norman oklahoma and just a a really great like technically proficient drummer he taught me all about reading and we went over a of like Afro-Cuban and Latin grooves. He was really into Russ Miller. Okay. And uh, funny enough, like my only modern kit that I really take to sessions and stuff is a Russ Miller kit. It was a kit that I got after Russ did a, a, a clinic in Oklahoma, and I ended up buying it because he left it at the store. And is but anyways, there's a lot a, of that. Is that an absolute maple? It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maple kick and snare and, and birch tom. And red, right? Uh, uh, this one is lime green. Oh, nice. Even better. I love that color. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I did the one-on-one thing for a long time and then just played in bands, but, uh, in, in high school, I never did anything else. And then whenever I graduated, I didn't really know, you know, gr- growing up in Norman, at least for me, like I grew up in a pretty small environment, kind of outside of the town and little country area but uh i didn't know that being a full-time musician was really possible like <laughs> i grew up just seeing guys on magazines and it's like well if you get a really successful band then 
maybe you'll be good to go you know i was gonna ask you know practicing the like new metal stuff do you feel like that developed chops for you or kind of developed bad habits kind of bashing what would be your take on that oh of course both yeah like uh, i really had to learn how to tone it down like one of my first uh like real paid (laughs) like in town gigs same thing man (laughs) <laughs> Dude, yeah it's it's for real i remember uh so i grew up playing in a lot of churches growing up and i, I somehow found myself pretty young playing this like big i mean i hate the term but it is what it is like kind of a mega church and i was playing there like four nights a week and, and i mean it was kind of paying my bills you know i moved out mm-hmm. uh, on my own and i remember man one of the first services one of the guitar players pulled me aside he's a little bit older than me and he goes dude you're beating the shit out of this, this kit. <laughs> like, <laughs> calm down. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, heard. So then it was just like a lot of practice on, yeah, getting that control, simplifying stuff. You know, it it's nice to have the problem of having to simplify rather than, hey, man, do a bunch more stuff. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, oh I don't know how to do that. So I knew really early on, especially studying like the Afro-Cuban stuff and the Latin stuff. And then, and then also doing metal stuff uh, at the end of the day, like I had a great facility. It was learning how to dial it back, how to groove, how to have touch and timing. Um, and so all that to say, this is where schooling does come in. I, I didn't go to like a cool music college. I mean, they were fine, but I went to a really small production school in Oklahoma city called ACM. And uh, it was kind of a project by the Flaming Lips, if you know any of those guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a production department, and I was, for whatever reason, interested in getting back to making beats and, and producing records and that kind of thing. So I went for six months and met some really great engineers and producers who really helped me out, but I got a good touring opportunity about six months in, and all of them were like, hey, go do this. Like you can get in studios and learn a bunch of stuff. If you ever want to come back to school, you can come back to school, but you know, get out of here and go play. Yeah. And so that's what I did, you know, but through that school, probably the biggest thing that happened was one professor. I don't remember what she taught actually, but she was like a really great jazz singer. And she turned me on to, um, uh, black radio by Robert Glasper. Hmm. And that like changed everything for me. Um, Robert Glasper in general, but specifically that record, because it tapped back into this like hip hop thing, but some of the jazz stuff. And I just started going through all these different avenues and it took me completely away from metal. I got really like heavy, uh, like Kojic, uh, black gospel stuff and, and was playing in some of those churches whenever I moved to Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of skipping over, but, but it all started whenever I went to that school for production because it, it turned me on to so many different styles of music. Well, and uh, around, you have to, you have influences. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, around that time, yeah. were you kind of getting into some of the recording aspects of it too? Were you actually making beats and learning how to, you know, uh, lay down tracks and that stuff? Yeah, I was doing all that, and also started recording in studios more often. Okay. And I realized pretty quick, oh man, simple is the way to go. You know, <laughs> yes, simple is yes. the way to go. You really utilize your dynamics. Um, tones, tones for days, man. I can't, I can't tell you how many times like I've been in a session and, and they're like, uh, this isn't working. Let's let's figure out what to do with this rack tom or this snare drum. And I'm just 
fiddling with stuff constantly. Like, uh, what do I do? You know, <laughs> throw throw a towel on it or throw a bunch of tape. Or... And so I just started putting a lot of time into that on my own. I would stay up all night purposefully playing really late so that I didn't have the option to be loud. Like, okay, my neighbors are going to call the cops on me if I'm too loud. So how do I play really light but still a stick? Yeah. And I would do that kind of thing all the time just to work on the dynamic level of it. Mm. Now, when you, when you started, were you, is that kind of where you got the un- introduction of vintage drums as well too? That, you know, just, just the true sound of them? Yeah, that came a little bit later. I guess whenever I was probably 22 or 23, after I'd been working in studios for a while, and I had a few mentors in Oklahoma that were like, hey man, this is the way to go. <laughs> and so, uh, I started really digging into vintage drums and actually that's whenever I bought this 61 Ludwig nice. and I've just held on to it forever. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of beat up. The edges are kind of a little wonky sometimes, but man, once you get the head seated right and you get it where it needs to be, it's just, it's the sound, you know? Yeah. So I'm assuming you didn't go back to that school then. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Uh, not at all, man. So you, no. pre- so you pretty and, much and, you got on the road. You started getting some real world experience, and then what was your major first gig after that? Ooh, um, well, I bounced around the church scene for a long time, uh, especially in Oklahoma. Probably the biggest band that I played with around that time. I mean, I was doing records from like for local artists and. Uh, there was a guy named Aaron Pierce that I played with that started to get some traction regionally. And that was kind of like a throwback. Um, Curtis Mayfield kind of thing meets, I don't know, a little bit of like guitar slinger, you know, Clapton blues player. Nice. Uh, but really the only group that I played with at that time that had traction was uh, this band called Force Teeth. Mm. And honestly, with those guys, I only subbed in every once in a while. So I was just kind of getting my feet wet here and there. Like I would tour with some metal bands. I would play for these really big churches in front of, you know, several thousand people and working with tracks and working with like, you got to be really dynamic. I mean, that taught me so much. And, um, I'm not like a pro religion guy in any way. Uh, and I don't care to talk about that too much, but I get it, but I will, I will say I I learned so much. Oh, sorry, man. Step inside real quick. Uh, but I will say I learned so much from that time in my life, like playing in churches, because you got to be really right on. You got to be prepared. Um, you can't really bash too much, and so that's kind of the main thing I was doing a lot. And then I moved to Texas in uh, 2016, and I didn't really know anybody. I didn't know what I was doing. I just needed to make a change and uh, showed up here and started meeting some different artists so how was it at that time because i know austin texas that that's everyone where everyone talks about now in texas is kind of becoming its own world of its own but how was it before all that happened uh well you know the dfw area it's been pretty consistent especially since i've been here like you can make a good living just staying i mean especially just touring in texas Hmm. but even just staying in between dallas fort worth Denton. Uh, there's so many gigs. And so I was just meeting songwriters left and right. Like I would just go out every night of the week and go to a jam session. I would go to a, a blues jam session. Uh, I would go to a hip hop R&B, like with Eric Badu's band. I'd go to their jam session. Oh, and wow. then I would go to this jazz jam session. 
And so it's kind of the complete opposite of everything that I had done before this. But I just wanted to, I've always loved different styles and, and meeting new people. So I just kept on going. And uh, it took a while, but whenever it hit, it was like, okay, cool. I'm at least working. I'm not doing big tours. I'm not doing anything extravagant. But I'm playing with a good six or seven artists that are really great. I started doing some of the like cover band top 40 things. That's really big here. And you can make like great money doing it. So I did that for a little while and just all along waiting for whatever the next thing was. And that's whenever I landed the gig with Bonnie. Yeah, that's what I was going to lead to. But before we get into that, I just, it's such a crazy concept to know that that much is going on in Texas all the time. It's just, oh, so much, man. Yeah. I mean, there's fans here that have full on tour buses and will barely leave the region. Of- you know, so Texas, crazy. Oklahoma. It just sounds like yeah. another, it sounds like another universe. <laughs> you know what I mean? it, it, it's a beautiful thing, and it, you know, it also gets really easy to get trapped here. Yeah, and uh, that's the thing that I've had to be more cognizant of over the last couple of years. Is man, I, I mean, I love being here. And I, I have a studio here, and it, this is definitely home. But I do not want to get nailed down to just doing Texas shows. You know, I. I definitely desire something bigger and i love traveling mm-hmm. so there's there's definitely a lot of pros and cons to it but overall man the scene here is so supportive and there's so much talent around here in every style of music i'll say that that's awesome to hear but uh, i i didn't mean to jump in front of you but that's what led into the bonnie bishop thing yeah yeah very much um actually i got a gig with a songwriter here and um this guy named ryan Tharp who has become one of my closest friends. We have a studio together now and all kinds of stuff. But uh, he called me because he was playing with Bonnie at that time. And part of her band was in Nashville. Part of them were here. Uh, she would go overseas and tour with, like, Brian Blade, with, or uh, uh, Brady Blade, sorry, would come in and do some of her tours whenever she was overseas. And she was, she was just, like, hiring a, a range of different people. Um, but they were on a new album cycle. And he called me and said, hey, man, if you want to come do this gig, uh, I think it'd be a really good fit. And so I just hopped on board and I didn't really know what was to come or, you know, we had one little tour planned out and it was actually a a trio, like an acoustic trio. So I was doing almost no sticks, uh, wide open tuned kick drum, a couple different snares and a lot of brushes and shakers and weird percussive things. Mm -hmm. And it was a big test but that's also why I kept the gig. She was like, wow, this is something different that I haven't done before. Like most drummers come in here and just play beats, but you're playing all these different textures and, you know, doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's what actually landed the gig. And then we ended up, you know, doing a lot more tours and all that kind of stuff. And you're still currently playing with her. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely slowed down, you know, cause, uh, COVID obviously slowed everything down, <laughs> yeah. but we had a really great tour at the end of 2019. Uh, we did a few weeks in Europe and then I think six, I think eight weeks in the States, but we were touring this record that she did with Steve Jordan. Oh, wow. And, uh, man, that record was, it was such a blast to tour that record. Like Jesus. having to learn those parts. So, uh, you know, note by note with the dynamics and with the exact placement and that groove like i love steve playing yeah he doesn't get and enough so it was just, that he deserves you know well he is a stone now but like i mean like 
he is one, <laughs> yeah, he, right. he is one of the best you know oh man i yeah i mean i've been geeking out for him geeking out over him for, for years and years and so getting to do that and then we actually did one of the record release shows in new york at his studio and there's like a venue on the first floor and i uh, just being in that room seeing his drums and and all that stuff like it was such a meeting the crew that worked on the record it's such a privilege to be a part of that Jesus, for sure that's a little mind-blowing just to be in that room yeah <laughs> dude yeah. sitting down and playing on steve's kit and be like wow i wonder how many records have been tracked on this oh, like, wow. just this year you know so, trip but um i know yeah. i know we touched base on what your current setup was with uh suzanne santo um i kind of want to talk more about your symbol choices i know you're a sponsor of Isabon symbols tell us how that relationship started yeah. for you yeah, so that one actually came out of um, a tour that we did, that, that one I was just talking about at the end of 2019. Um, I, I don't exactly know how it came about, to be completely honest. I reached out to Istanbul. Uh, I reached out to Istanbul, I guess, in 2016. I was going out on the road with a band called Aranda. It was like kind of a big, heavier rock band kind of thing. And Scott Lichen wrote me back and was like, hey, man, uh, I really dig what you're doing, but basically we don't have, we're not adding any new artists right now. Mm. It just is what it is. So, okay, cool. Flash forward, forward to the end of 2019. And one of my good friends and mentors is a artist on their roster as well. And so I talked to him. He said, man, let me try to call Scott again and just like, see if, if they're taking on new artists. Let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time on that tour, we had some shows with, um, Oh, what's the guy's name? Robert Cray. Okay. And Terrace Clark was playing on that gig. And he's an Istanbul guy as well from Memphis. And I love his playing. Also a protege of Steve Jordan. And uh, so I met him. And then I also met this drummer named, um, we just call him Hammy, but he plays for Boy Vance. Okay. <clears throat> and stellar drummer, Istanbul artist as well. So I met all these people along the way. Um, I also met Carter McLean at some point, who's also a simple artist. So I don't know exactly how it happened, but at the end of that, uh, at the end of our European run, we came back to the States and we had like three dates left in the States. And I got a call from Scott and he's like, Hey man, uh, I just want to welcome you to the Istanbul family. Uh, here's the rundown. Uh, send me your profile and everything you want on your roster. Send me what symbols you want. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Okay, cool. I mean, it was literally a, a three-minute phone call, yeah. and they've been great. Like, I love that company so much. I think I played their cymbals for probably six or seven years before I ever ended up on the roster. I'm not too and, familiar with their lines, but are you you kind of lean towards their jazzy, washier stuff, or are you kind of all over the place with their cymbals? I'm pretty all over the place. You know, they have the exist line as well, which can be a little more um, pop or rock style mm-hmm. thing. And I'll, I'll use those on plenty of gigs, um, but also I'll use some of the more, I mean, I guess you want to say washy kind of stuff yeah. and dark symbols. I'll use those on rock gigs as well. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not too much of a heavy hitter these days. Mm-hmm. And so those symbols can still work really well and I'm not breaking them. Yeah. Like, man, just throw up an overhead. That'll do the, that'll do exactly what you need to do, yeah. you know, but I don't want to play. I'm not a big fan of bright symbols, uh, and some of it's mainly because I love stuff that works in the studio and live. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, well, if it's too dark, just 
throw up an overhead and put a high pass on it. What and, is, what is you your uh, choice of overheads for simple miking? There's a lot of different ones. I mean, in the studio, uh, we could geek out on that stuff all day. <laughs> I love that stuff. But uh, I, we have a lot of warm audio mics oh, nice. uh, at our studio. Uh-huh. And so the UA7s, I really love on overhead. Um, I went through a period where I was using these uh, Aston Origin okay. and Spirits. They, uh, they're really cool, large size frames. Uh, but man, live, like, I feel like, you know, simple pentacle condensers work. You know, there's, there was a, a group that I toured with for a minute that they used Earthworks, and it was like, oof, that's a whole other thing. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't, I, I, I wasn't, they didn't do too much stuff, but yeah. Uh, it's all references. Definitely. Know. Yeah, that's definitely like a really cool live mic if you can afford that package. But yeah, yeah there's there's so many different options. It always just kind of depends on what you're going for. But the UA7s are great. Um, the Sennheiser makes like a really cool stereo ribbon mic. That's stellar. We use that a bunch. Nice. Uh, and so does Golden Age as well. It's huge. It's a huge mic. If you ever get it, <laughs> you have to have like a, a real Atlas stand and stuff. But uh, it sounds great on some so what is your, in your studio, you mentioned, uh, what is your guys' choice of a uh, DAW? Do you guys use Logic Pro Tools? What do you guys use? Um, so in, basically our studio is split up into an A and a B room. Uh-huh. There's a studio called 7013. They're here in Fort Worth, and they've had this A room for a long time. Beautiful room, sounds great. Uh, pretty much only using Pro Tools in that room. Mm-hmm. But during... Uh, the shutdown, we started doing more records in there, and me and uh, the guy I talked about previously, Ryan Dark, <clears throat> we were both bringing in different artists. I'm like, hey, man, people want to make records right now a little bit, so yeah, let's, yeah, they do. Let's, let's bring them in and do this. Yeah. So during that process, they said, well, hey, why don't we like do this trade-off? Why don't y'all bring in your gear, and we'll build you a Studio B? Hmm. And so that's what we did, and they built us a room, and we filled it with all of our gear, and brought in so my buddy Ryan Dark, he's like a big gear collector, but especially drum collector. So like we brought in I think ten kits. We brought in and thirty guitars, twenty amps, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, it was a great trade off. But in the B room, they use logic. Nice. Um uh, or my my buddy, he used logic. I still run Pro Tools so I'm Always been a fan of Pro Tools. Even with programming music, I really like it. Yeah. Um, but I've had to learn how to do the logic thing. <laughs> it's just, it's so prevalent nowadays, you know? Yeah, I feel like... And I get it. It's a preference at the end of the day, but... Yeah, I, I that, yeah. that sounds awesome. Um, so, kind of jumping gears again, um, I know you're an accomplished drummer. Do you kind of keep a consistent practice regimen, or are you just kind of spending most of your time prepping for what's coming next? I'd love to keep more of a consistent practice regimen, but lately it's just been so busy. It's kind of get in there, you know, learn what you need to um, work on very, very, very specific kind of things. Um, it's not a bad and thing. then get out, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's a, it's a cool transition that, that year that I was talking about uh, that I moved to Texas and didn't really have a ton of gigs. Mm-hmm. I would just go to this rehearsal space. I have a 24 hour lockout. I still have the same one to this day, but, uh, I would just go in there. I would, I would make my lunch in the morning and, uh, you know, bring snacks and I would just lock myself in there for like eight hours a day. Yeah. And 
at that time when I was doing that, I would have a full regiment printed out or written on my phone. It's like, okay, spend an hour on this, spend two hours on this, mm-hmm. spend an hour just recording yourself back and moving mics around and, you know, changing drum sounds, you know? Yeah. Um, and at that time I was going through a lot of books and, and all that kind of stuff. So whenever I have free time, like this week I got back and, uh, I actually have the four or five days off. So I'm going to try to, you know, get a couple days of like, okay, I want to dig back into this book and get like, you know, five or six hours over the next week on this book and, and really dig into this. But it's a lot more targeted practicing at this point. It's yeah. like, man, I noticed this one thing is, is going on. You know, my 16 notes aren't super consistent or my accents aren't as consistent as I want them to be. So it's very detailed mm-hmm. at this point. It's not a bad thing. But like yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And for me, you know, I've, I've gone through the different methods and I've gone through, uh, I remember Stanton Moore, I was hearing something that he said a long time ago and he was like, man, I like to only give, you know, no more than 30 minutes to something, but ideally like maybe 15 and just kind of work on these different things. So I would do that for a while. I would do that for like three hours, you know, switching topics every 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would do like, yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to do it. I think for me, the most important thing has always been go in with some kind of a plan or else I just end up sitting there and messing around with stupid stuff that, that doesn't really make you any better. No, you know? you're just running circles at that point. Yeah, I mean, if you walk out of the practice room and feel like, man, I'm such a great drummer, to me, you've missed the point of practicing. <laughs> it's you know, to uncover you, the you flaws, get, really. Like. Oh, absolutely, man. Like yeah. I've done martial arts for most of my life and that's a big thing. And, and that as well is like, okay, if you feel like a badass, you're probably, you probably have more to learn. Like you need to walk <laughs> away feeling, feeling like, Oh dude, I have so much more to learn. And so to me, that's the most important thing. However you go about it, 15 minutes, two hours, whatever, it all matters. Yeah. It's weird. The um, older I get, I have more of like a 10 or 15 minute depressive point after practicing. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of like reversed when I was younger. I'd say, "Oh yeah, I got this," but now, yeah, it's actually yeah. I have to self-reflect and like, "Oh my god!" Like you know what I mean? But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I get it, and I there's guess it's inner growth thing at that point. Yeah, there's something so great about that, you know, and, and uh, even just I kind of take everything back to life, especially with music. You know, music is I'm, I'm no, I'm going off on a tangent here, but. uh to me, music is reflective of your life, and to me, that's a great way to approach life. It's like, okay, I'm not, I don't have it all figured out yet. No. I have some things figured out, and and I know what I'm good at, but man, do I have a lot more to learn. And <laughs> you're never, gonna, you're never gonna a, master it either. No, no, you know, <laughs> keep on trying and enjoy, enjoy the ride the whole way. You know, that's all I can say. Well, before I, I let you go here, I want to talk about your solo album. Uh, what would be the best place to check that out, and what what kind of stuff do you got going on with that? Yeah, man. Um, I mean, it's on Spotify and, and Apple Music and all that different kind of stuff. Um, one second, sorry, dude. Uh, I released it, I guess, uh, August of last year, something like that. Uh-huh. And that project came about because I'm constantly – uh, for probably the last four years, I've just been writing a bunch. And there was a project that I did almost two and a half, maybe three years ago. It was before the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And 
I just had these songs that I really wanted to get done. Like I had programmed stuff. I had played bass and played guitar and played the keys parts. And they were just rough demos, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought, man, I really want to get some friends together and, and try to make this a thing. So I did, and we tracked it all live. And then I got this really cool vocalist in town named Justin Christopher to come on. And he's like, yeah, man, uh, I'll write to it, and we can lay some vocals down. And so we did, and we got done with it. And we just kind of looked at each other, and we're like, well, do we do something with this? We don't really know. And so I held on to it for at least a good year and a half or two years. And then I finally got the call to come do this residency gig at a venue here in Fort Worth. And it was going to be a once a month thing. I thought, well, okay, let's just bring this record out now. Like we finally have a reason to put it out. So let's put it out. We'll do a show around it, whatever. Mm. And I got a lot of great response from it. So I, you know, I was like, well, I guess this is a thing now. Um, Yeah. I listened to part of it and I really enjoyed it to be honest with you. Oh, thank you, man. That's, that's the stuff that I really love. Um, a lot of hip hop and R&B. And I, I love the spoken word thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it just came from watching guys like Terrace Martin and Robert Glasper and, uh, um, oh, there's another producer. Oh, Daniel Renoir. Like mm-hmm. it's a completely different world. But like these guys that produce records, they play uh, as a sideman for other people, but then they have their own project that is just, kind of a passion project uh, whether it's big or whether it's small they do exactly what they want to do in that world mm-hmm. and that's what this has been for me you know we've just I bring in different artists all the time for my residency and uh, hopefully in the next you know year we'll start taking it on the road a little bit and I'm just kind of you know taking it pretty light I don't want to put too much pressure on it or yeah. make it a thing um, just let it be fun and as long as it's fun we'll keep on doing it but it's a thing that very much exists off of improvisation. I can say that. That's why I love it so much. So I guess with one final question, and, and I mean this as a compliment, you're a very structured and very dynamic drummer. What would be the, the one main thing you would tell your younger self coming up or inspiring drummers like yourself? What would be the main factor to kind of concentrate on if you can tell your, your past self? Mm. That's a great question, man. Um, <laughs> I know. It's kind of a, it's a broad question. You know, I... No, I don't, I, I don't know. I think I would tell myself to relax a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm a little bit hesitant to say that because I know how much work I put into this and uh, I don't regret putting in all the work. No. You know, I can say that. But I do regret the long drive home after a gig where you're like, Self-analyzing. Shit, I, I, I messed <laughs> it up again. You know what I mean? Ooh, that sucks. <laughs> I hate that. Uh. It does, man. It does. Because I I wish I just knew younger uh, or earlier on, like, hey, man, just keep on showing up. Keep on putting in the work. Mm -hmm. And it's going to all work out just fine. You know, because it's not that mistakes don't happen. Yeah. I still make plenty. I still make plenty of mistakes, right? Like, Uh and, and any great drummer I've got to interact with, they've said the same thing. To me, at this point, you practice and you practice and you practice so that the mistakes get smaller or, or maybe even less noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I just knew that earlier on. Like, dude, there's never going to be a point where you get it. Yeah, You're always going to be working at this, and you're always going to say, well, I could have done this better, and just enjoy the ride. Like, that, that's what I, I wish I knew mm-hmm. earlier on. 
Like that may be corny or whatever, but like no, that not. that's the thing that I struggled with a lot when I was younger was Yeah, anxiety is a hell of a killer. With, I mean <laughs> anxiety can cause yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. So. It is. And I, I've dealt with it musically and personally my whole life. Yeah, it sucks. And I've learned to just relax, relax, man. It's all gonna be fun. Like And if it's not the gig, none it's of not this. the gig, you know? Yeah. Exactly. If it's not the gig, it's not the gig. Yeah. And also, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy this, then why are you trying to work so hard at it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you love this thing so much, then then let it be fun, mm-hmm. and and stop trying to strangle the life out of it by holding on so tight. So that's what I wish I knew earlier on. Well, Clint, uh, yeah, this has been a real pleasure, and it's good to make friends with someone like you. And I'm very excited to see where it goes next for you. And keep an eye and um yeah man it's a real pleasure to have you on i'd love to have you on again and talk about what's happening next for you pretty soon but yeah thank you very much absolutely man hopefully i have some more stories the next time but uh, i i appreciate you man i, I love podcasts and uh listen to especially interviews with drummers and things like that so yeah. i listen to some of your episodes and i think what you do is really cool so oh, I, I really appreciate you man All right. yeah All right. thank you Let's talk soon absolutely take care brother